From his first job flipping burgers at McDonald's and delivering the Washington Post, Craig Willett counts only one and a half years of his adult life working for someone else. Welcome to the Biz Sherpa Podcast with your host, Craig Willett, founder of several multi-million dollar businesses and trusted advisor to other business owners. He's giving back to help business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs achieve fulfillment, enhance their lives, and create enduring wealth. The Biz Sherpa. This is Craig Willett, the Biz Sherpa. Welcome to our episode today. I'm grateful that Thomas Heckins, CEO of Metris Global, a military training and defense contracting training company, could join us today. Tom has some interesting insights about how to transition from being in the military to being an entrepreneur. And I hope his lessons on entrepreneurship benefit each of you. Tom, welcome to our show. Hey, thank you, Craig. Glad to have you here. You know, serving in the military gives you some pretty strong background in leadership. You were, can you share with us some experiences that you had in the military that taught you a lot about leadership that you're able to apply today? Well, I think, um, so I, I did 20 years in the military, um, primarily in special operations. And I think when you're around athletes at that level, no matter what, you're trying to convince alpha males to do stuff. <laughs> and when you're trying to convince alpha males to, to get things done, you got to use different techniques. And I think that's where leadership is really born. Um, it's preached in the Ranger Regiment from an early age, um, and it continues on. So uh, leadership is such a large subject, you know, and it, it, it transcends through everything you do in business, but also in the military. But I think the, the primarily it was who I was around and some of the, funny enough, some of the bad leaders I had taught me more about leadership than any of the good ones. Well, it's kind of like in life, our mistakes sometimes teach us more Always. than our successes, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. So you mentioned something interesting, and it's a philosophy that I kind of subscribe to, and that is you deal with people who are like athletes. And in business, unlike competing on an athletic field, sometimes on an athletic field, you only have to perform in a basketball game for an hour and a half. But in business, you have to be performing as as many hours as your operation is open and probably past that as the owner of the business. So you really don't get the downtime that athletes do. So how do you keep the stamina up? Well, that's an interesting question because I'll tell you, we I pull probably 10 hours a day on a norm. And then of course, because I'm the owner, you don't get a Saturday and Sunday off. No. I mean, the, the phone, yeah, the, <laughs> or nights, the, the phone is always on and, uh, and I think we have 142 employees now, so you never know what's coming. Um, for me, I've gotten better. I'm working on this a lot. Is I've I've gotten better on uh, five o'clock, drop it, and go to the gym. Oh, that's a good idea. And so it's just it goes straight out to the gym, and that needs to be my next focus for the next hour. And and, and because I'm older and I'm not the athlete I used to be, my workout got to change. I I recently got in with some some ex-military guys who are really into functional fitness, and that that release is huge when it comes down to just get, keeping your mind sane. And then I go sit in my pool, which is really cold, for at least twenty <laughs> minutes, and and get the soreness out. Um, and then I spend time with my wife. And so if the phone does ring, I'm ready. Yeah. You know? Right. Good. And I think that's where we really have to be. On our own, I mean, it's, it's very demanding as an entrepreneur, and I don't say that to discourage people, but 
you had to make a leap. You had to make a leap from going into military service where it's very structured to an environment when you open a business where there is no structure and you have to put that structure in place. How do you? How did you benefit from serving in the military to jumping into entrepreneurship? What was that like to go into this void of, I can create my future? It was way more difficult than I anticipated. <laughs> oh, really? So, well, when I started, I had an idea. And my idea, you know, we're, we're a DOD contracting training company and I love training. I love passing information to, um, to other people. And so, so they I, can be more successful, right? Like right. I, it was, it was really like it's, it's, it's getting guys to live on the battlefield. I, I loved it when I was in. Um, I was really big about sharing information across uh, services, so like that. So when I started the company, the idea was right. Like I had a great concept. This is what I sold. This is how we're going to do this. And I thought I was going to be the guy training guys. And that did not happen. Oh, really? Like, that was not easy. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is this is way more difficult. Like there's there's a finance team. And and the one thing I'd learned about the military is that we do have support mechanisms. So you have your 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 tactical athlete, your guy who's doing the job, and then you have a lot of supporting mechanisms to help them. Um, and business is the same way. And so I, I I learned this over time. I love startups. I love I love putting the pieces together. And that wasn't the hard part. Um, getting everything in line, knowing what the plan is. I will tell you that, thank God I did 20 years in the military because no plan survives first contact. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so it didn't. Um, I learned very quickly that I would would be attending more meetings than I would be um, with the students. Um, And- And what was that like for you to realize Oh, it was frustrating. I, I, I didn't like it at first because- I'm very big about surrounding myself around professionals. Like, I want the best in the business. I don't care race, gender. I don't care any. I, I want to win, and I like a team that wants to win. So I didn't care who was in that place. I felt like we had the right guys, but but they were smarter than me. The finance guys, they, and I always told you that they, like they, I feel like they speak dolphin because, <laughs> yeah. because of all the verbiage they use, and I didn't understand it. And right. so now I had to learn a whole new technique, you know, a whole new, uh, a whole new language, language. Yeah. And then, and then we had HR. Wow, <laughs> like that's not something I ever had to deal with in an all male right. unit um, at war. Right. And so, you know, it, it, there was a million. Things rules and regulations oh, and, and right, you know, stay compliant. And I was like, what does all this mean? So I kind of felt like I was being educated probably for the first two and a half, three years, really getting educated on how a real business is going to function because you have all these supporting mechanisms that you're not a subject matter expert at. I could look at the training guys and tell them everything that needed to happen. And, and that's how my mind works. But then all of a sudden, you know, I'm in a finance right. meeting and I'm lost. Right, but then you got to do the other side. I got to right. be able to bill for this, collect it, be able to. You got to know what a PNL is. You got to have yeah. metrics is on you. Yeah, I right. Mean, it, it was need a bank loan. You got to be able to understand. It was all fun, that. but stressful. Yeah. So what? Now looking back, going through that stress, what advice would you give to people who are making a similar move from the military and want to be an entrepreneur? Well, I would say you have to have a good plan to start with. We're planners. If you're in the military and, and you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're a planner anyway. And when you set up that plan, remember this. It's not gonna, it's not gonna survive first contact. It just won't happen. But 
That's why you have a contingency. You have a primary alternate contingency in an emergency so, plan or PACE plan. Plan so, B, plan C. That's it. I, everything I learned in the military, I was applying. And as these plans, as I, as I saw them, didn't work out, I had a backup. I had a contingency for it. And be prepared to be educated. Be prepared to be educated. The, the first thing I think I did was, because a lot of people don't realize that when I introduce you, I always tell them, like, you were one of the first people. I, when I started my startup, I was talking to you before I started it. Right. And, I, and I, then the education started, so I put, a, I put in the advisory board. Right. Where I had to have, which I had you, Mike Wilson. Like I had some really good people that were really successful to kind of guide me through it because everything was a little bit different. Right. You know, it wasn't a military unit. You know, you can't come <laughs> in yelling and screaming and everybody's on board. Right. You know, so I really needed, um, I, I needed your all's advice and, and just that for me to learn through that, those first three years. Right. And I think that it's the way it is in any business. I've always said it takes three to five years to where you get comfortable. And no matter what you bring to the table, how good your product is, how good your service is, there's still going to be all the other factors that you can't even begin to imagine. And so for you, uh, there was that education. And so, but I think you you survived because you had other contingency plans. That, and I, it, the good thing about being in the military again and, and using that veteran service was that I don't, I don't understand failure. As in, I I, I, <laughs> right. will, I never think that I can't do it. Right, or you wouldn't have survived the battlegrounds right. you were on. Right. And so oh, I attacked business the same way. I was very aggressive and I was very humble. So I could immediately say, hey, I do not understand this particular facet of it. And then I got educated on it. Right. So and you I'm didn't not, pretend to know. It's didn't, not I didn't fake, have to. Fake it till you make it. You kind of. No, I, I went out there and I, I sought the information and I learned it. And, and I was very humble to people saying, hey, I don't have all the answers. Right. You know, so that if you can take that, that mentality we had when we were in the military, in any field in the military, and plan, have your contingencies, and then turn around and get aggressive and do it. You have to believe in yourself more than anything else, that your idea wasn't a fluke, that, it, that you know what you're doing, and then go find the information. People, people want to help. You know, just be, you got to leave yourself open and humble enough to, to take it in. But be persistent enough, too, to not give up. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'd call it aggressive. So how much is being a business owner aggressive? <laughs> I call it aggressive. Okay, yeah. I like that. How How is being on a battlefield, being in a life or death situation where you have lives you're protecting, trying to accomplish a mission, in your particular role, how is that like being a business owner? I don't think I don't think you can compare the two. I think um, you know, I mean, I was in combat quite a bit. So when bullets are flying and 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 people are getting shot, it, there's nothing that'll compare to that. I do, however, take it extremely serious that we have we have employees and their and their livelihoods depends on decision making that's done by the C-suite by that by that executive staff. And so I take it very serious and. Everything we do is what is methodically thought through, and it's it's not done in isolation. It's done as a committee. I want to make sure that I have everybody's opinion while I'm doing it because I need to make good decisions. Because if we fail, there's people that can't feed their families. Right. And I don't want that. I mean, nobody wants that. No. But I don't think there's 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 not necessarily a comparison to combat, but there are the livelihoods of your employees, and and our employees are the most important thing we have in the company. I mean, that's what makes it all work. 
So how do you how do you take those employees and empower them to be entrepreneurial? Because they're going to have to make decisions. In some of the training you do, they're going to be making decisions in the midst of some of what your training processes are. So I don't, again, do I don't think that, that I try to instill entrepreneurship because then they leave and they start their own companies. <laughs> and it's happened. And, 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 I, and I've always been supportive of that. Um, at the same time, uh, we, we kind of built, what I wanted was a culture of accountability where we all felt we were bought in. And part of that was everybody gets a voice here. Everybody, it doesn't matter if you're, you've been on the job for three days or three years, everybody gets a voice because you were hired here because you're the best in the business. And so that's how you're treated. So we wanted to build um, a culture of accountability where we could hold each other accountable, to include me. So if I do something wrong, we, after action, review everything, what we call the AR, right? We, every time we do something- That's not typically a business term. So after action review, that's a military process. So that's where we go back and we can, we go in detail about what we just did. A decision that we made, we executed, we'll go back through it, talk it through, find out every problem we had, what what we did good, what we did bad, so we don't make the same mistakes. Right. And so what, what do you come, how does that then translate into the next action plan? Well, for us, that'll either change a policy or a procedure that we do. We try to make things um, as streamlined and as efficient as humanly possible. But it also goes back to us being able to say, hey, I screwed this up. Like, this is what I was supposed to do. This I didn't do it. I didn't follow this process. This is how it happened. And it's having one, you got to be ex- extremely humble. You got to be able to do it in front of your peers. Um, and once you start taking accountability, everybody kind of falls into that. Oh, that's cool. You know? So and that's it, the it humility part. Beautifully, Great. You know? And now I have business people that work for us on the, the support side that are totally bought into that. And I've been to some of their AARs and they're, they're as good or better really? than ours. Yeah, they're great. That's a really interesting management philosophy that not all businesses take into into account. Uh, yeah, it's probably because it, it it, it's an that. extra step, right? It's an extra step. They're, they're trying to get onto the next transaction. All right, we did that one, good, bad, or ugly. We got another one to do. Yeah, and we're not like that because we're trying to be the best form of us that we possibly can be. And if we're going to do that, we have to look at our mistakes. And there's no operation that we have done to date that was perfect. There's just not. I mean, right. we're pretty nitpicky at this point over how can we be more efficient. Um, what, what, what do we individually need to work on and get better at? What process do you use to involve your client, meaning the government or the Department of Defense? How do you get their feedback on your performance? Well, they're part of our after action. We always include them. Um, we did do some forms, stuff like that. So we want we want feedback from every individual. I mean, we we cater, right? Just take that example alone. Well, guess what? We want your opinions. And so those opinions are out. Like, we're constantly getting those. What works, what doesn't work? Because we're, we're trying to feed an athlete. Right. Know? And we're trying to feed an athlete in the middle of the desert. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> right. it's not challenge. an easy thing. Right. So, and we love that challenge. At the same time, it needs to be five-star food and, and, and accommodations. Make sure we're resting our guys. We're feeding, we're giving our guys everything they need. And we're not bogging them down with comfort food, stuff like that. So it's, it's. Their feedback is paramount because they're the client. I mean, they're, they're the guys we're doing all this stuff for anyway. So I have a question for you. What In the first couple of years, what's the greatest, and to use a military scenario, landmine you stepped on that you didn't think would produce the result that, that it did, that kind of kind of worked backwards on you? Um, well, I thought I was really smart. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it went back to a philosophy of, 
of, hey, let's get the smart, the best and the brightest. And what I thought was the best and the brightest didn't necessarily pan out. I I, I looked at a guy's resume um, and thought, hey, man, that's that's really the guy we want. You know, it's a great resume. He interviews so well. And then come to find out he doesn't have near the experience level that you need, and he's working, you're paying him way too much to do something he's not capable of. And I didn't see that coming, and I didn't fire fast enough. And some of that pain just transcended over time. Right. And I felt like I was I was working uphill to counter because you don't realize that one guy in the C-suite can change the entire culture. Exactly, of the yeah. You know, and that's there's nothing more frustrating than that. You can work for 10 years, establish a culture, you feel like you're running on all cylinders, and then that you have one guy come in, and in three months, nobody wants to work for you. Nobody <laughs> wants to do anything. Yeah, they're going to you. Why you know, they're you just work? angry. What's he doing here? Right. And right. and then they he look or at she, you. Yeah. You know? And so right, um, because you made that decision. So how do you approach hiring now at that level that since that was so painful, right? You said it took time, you didn't fire fast enough, and you and the pain trickled for a while. How do, well, how do you address it? We've done today? a couple of things. So so one, I've taken myself out of the process for a lot of it. <clears throat> and I and what I did was I gave I gave the standards. Here's what we're at, you know, be very specific about what you're asking somebody to do. That job description's Extremely important. And if you're trying to, because what I've noticed is people try to keep it a one-page job description. I'm like, mm, you might want to make that very detailed so that everybody's understanding. And interview him based off that. Don't interview him based off of uh, off of his uh, education level, stuff like that. Um, a guy with three master's degrees may not be as good as, as an E7 supply clerk in the military because he has practical application Experience. to do what you need him right. to do. So when you're looking at that job description, you're asking questions about, tell me some scenarios where you've had to contend right. with oh, yeah. this you situation. Get in depth. You got to yeah. get in depth. And so their, their stories, their experiences really Well, you want matter. examples. You know what I mean? Like what I want to hear out of somebody is, give me examples of what you've gone through, you know, adversity, so like that, because... Um, I think that there's, for us, the country split, uh, or the company split down the middle, where we have half veterans that were all pro-athlete level veterans, right. and then the other half are probably the best and the brightest in the HR field, the, the finance field, IT, stuff like that. And so when I talk to both sides, I'm asking kind of the same question. Right. You know, tell me what you think leadership is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I right. want to know what you're thinking, because are you going to fit our culture? Yeah, you know, and then and then when we talked about, hey, well, everybody's on probation for ninety days. We don't finger drill that. I mean, you're on probation for ninety days because we're evaluating you every month. Wow. We want to know if you're gonna if you're gonna fit into the culture or you're gonna poison the well, right? And, and so I that's your philosophy. People, Give them ninety days to prove out whether they fit I'm, or not. I'm a big believer. If you look at at, at special operations and our selection criteria, um, when we went to selection, nobody can really hide who they are. For over thirty days, <laughs> you know they just can't. Right. I mean, you can you you can try to pull the wool over someone's eyes, but but uh, uh, you go ninety days, and I get to see you every day. Yeah, I get to start understanding who you really are, and, and I'll throw problems at them. You know, I want just I want to, to see how they're going to deal with stress and stuff like that. So we we kind of did it the same way. Now, if you're <laughs> the guys who run our training side, it's it's a six month probation. They're very picky about who comes in. Do they have the skill sets? Are they humble enough? Because just because you're a great warrior doesn't make you a great trainer. Right. So, that, so it is a little bit more stringent on those guys. But we found that that 
the concept of our selection works both ways. And I, and I love it because I think we're making more solid decisions and we're not scared to fire fast. Yeah. Well, when you're in the military, you don't have a lot of options to fire, do you? Um, yes. You do? We do. Do you get to recruit for in your- special operations, remember, they're all recruited. They're, they're, yeah, I fired people. <laughs> you know, I fired people <laughs> One way or another, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and at some point, maybe they don't leave the army. I'm not kicking them out of the army. They got to do something pretty egregious for that. But, but to um, get reassigned. But to stay to stay in the unit at that level, um, yeah, we're we're pretty big about it. Have you been able to successfully take people who were maybe good for your organization, but maybe were in the wrong position? And be able to successfully transfer them over well, to another position. Yeah, that goes back to, you know, um, do you get it, do you want it, and, and do you have the capability to do it? And are you in the, are the right people in the right spots? Um, I've moved people around. I've, I've literally have, I have a guy who's been in four different positions because he has the drive. Right. You know, but we're, we're kind of learning what he's really good at. Um, if you look at our VP of operations, he was hired to do finance. And and we needed him for a week to help out with operations, and he was so good at it that he, I he never went back to finance. Never, <laughs> I, I couldn't because I was like, he's he's imperative to what we're doing, and he's still there today. I mean, he's a guy I'll probably work with the rest of my life because he's never been in the military. Really, he's never been in the military. This guy has more tier one guys working for him, and they love him because he has great leadership, a great personality, super humble, doesn't pretend to know something he doesn't know. And he's there for his guys. And he and he's in the trenches getting things done. And he was a guy that originally we hired him to do finance because he literally has the entire background of a finance guy. And he has worked out beautifully. He's one of my favorite people to work with. Wow, that's amazing. You know, it's interesting that, and what does he think about that? Does he ever say, hey, I want to go back to finance? No, never. <laughs> he's got a pretty cool job. But uh, I So I he think, doesn't like being chained to the desk. He, yeah, he I think that, what we learned about him is is he he's adventurous, you know, and and he's just got that attitude. Like he loves the challenge, and you know, because I challenge the guys. I mean, when you come to us to train, you have a problem that we have to fix, and they're pretty complicated operations. And I think that that's really what sparked his interest was I get to use my brain here. Yeah, I have to really problem solve, and you have to lead a bunch of alpha males who are the, at the pinnacle of, of special operations. Will they follow you? Right. I mean, what kind? Of, I mean, there's a guy who's probably interest, pretty interesting to talk to, because of his leadership technique. Yeah, that's interesting. You know? I, yeah, yeah. Probably ought to talk to him someday. Now, you have a top secret clearance, and so there's things that your company trains on that can't really be talked about in the open. Right. But can you just help us understand a little bit what some of your trainings like? How do you design a training program? What are you trying to pass along to the groups that come to you that, so that they're better prepared well, tactically? We kind of fix operational gaps. So if, if, if they're coming to us for um, a complex operation, like like really right before they deploy, right? Um, and we're going to throw a bunch of stuff at them and they need... They need a complicated scenarios, role players. Like it's, it can be a pretty complex operation with ninety people on the site, a um, lot of medical training. I've, I've been and visited one. I mean, there's yeah. bombs oh, going there's off, bombs going there's gunfire. So a lot of that comes down to we we sit down with them before they ever come out and find out what their training objectives are, what their learning objectives are, um, and we we kind of develop that scenario based off of where they're going, and then we show them. 
Is this what you want to see? How do you want to change this? And then we I always go back to, I don't know if you remember those which way books, you know, I don't back remember. in the day when I was a kid, they had these which way books where you, you know, if you want to make this decision, turn to page 68. Oh, was, okay. That's us. I mean, <laughs> you make a decision, there, there's, there's good and bad that come with it. Right. You know, there's a million ways to skin the cat, right? We're, we're, we're going to teach you two or three, but it doesn't mean you're wrong, but there are consequences of your actions. And so instead of us sitting down going, well, that was a really bad call, well, <laughs> something's probably going to happen. We make that as realistic as humanly possible. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So how did you envision this? I mean, d you didn't pull this from somebody else's pattern or... No, I, I, you know what? When I was in the military, um, I just thought it was really weird that we were going to go to uh, uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky, to fight in Iraq. And that's where <laughs> that was going to be our final, you know, our full mission profile. And uh, I didn't see any of those trees in Iraq. And and uh, it was just, I felt like it was too much for the unit. It, and it was at the time. It was a burden for us to get the training lined up and make it realistic. And so we kind of had to, I think we had some training scars because we were at war so much. So we were doing things that I just disagreed with. And um, my guys, I got to design a lot of their training. And I, and I had, to, and for me, the focus was make it culturally correct, right? Because they're going to see stuff they've never seen before and stress them out because they, they need to be stressed out because- It's going to happen. Yeah, and if, we, if I can stress you more in training, then combat's not near as hard. But, it, but that takes quite a bit. And we didn't have the, we had the money, we didn't have the resources. Back then we weren't, we weren't hiring a company to come in and go, hey, use your expertise and, and put this together for us because we have so much other stuff to do. And so that's, that's what we do now is we get into the complicated. Um, and I think it's great for the unit because the unit doesn't have that kind of time. Right. And when, we, when you have dedicated guys and that's where business and government you know, a business can come in. We're super efficient at it. Right. We monitor cost because we need right. to make this be more effective. Right. We need to hit budget lines, um, and and we become very efficient at it. And it's become the hub of. I mean, I get the best and the brightest from the intel community, role players that literally are Iraqis or or Afghanis, like from overseas. You know, that have that experience. So I think that's why one reason why people come to us is is it's not just the environment we put you in; it's what we do with the environment. Well, you know, it seems very realistic because I can imagine trying to, I can't imagine training for that. You, you can watch videos of people. I've watched movies of people dying or being shot, but it can't be the same as seeing it in real life. No, it's not. And, and I'm not sure we can inoculate you from from losing your buddy. I mean, that's not a case, but what we're really trying to instill is, is here's, it's not just survivability, it's winning combat, you know? And what are the keys to winning combat? Um, preparation. Preparation. You know, everybody says, oh, special operations is so cool. I was like, <laughs> really? We're masters of the basic. Really? And that's what we are. We we never go away from the basics. So when you watch us shoot, there's nothing high speed. We got the same gun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the difference is no matter what, a stable platform is a stable platform. So we go through every aspect of how we train and we do it so much that we just refuse to deviate from our basics. You know, and that's what that's where I think a lot so of people. So you never only get in a situation where you're making it up. This is all your plan is your plan, and you're going to execute the plan. Yeah, and we have backups to backups, right? But and because I've never been on a mission where I'm like, hey, that went really easy, you know, <laughs> because bad guys get a vote. You know, when bad <laughs> right. guys get a vote, you your plan's probably not going to go as 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 well as you would think. But to win overall, 
um, we're prepared for that. That's why when we go into a house, we've never seen the house. You know, like we're just, we're used to the way that we operate and the techniques that we've been taught and we never deviate. We're very good at that. We're very, very team built so we can work together. And, and they're all athletes, you know? So it's really, um, we can make anybody strong. We can't necessarily make you smart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we like to get smart guys in. Well, you know, sometimes that, that reminds me of philosophy and business. Some people say, hey, I wasn't that smart and my idea wasn't the greatest, but I was willing to execute the basics and work harder than other people were willing to do. How has that contributed to your success? Um, well, I, education. I mean, and I'm not talking about going to a university. I, I, I educate myself every day. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm learning. I, I know way more about HR than I want to know, <laughs> but it was a necessity. I can't ask anybody in the organization to to implement a policy or do something if I don't understand it, and I can't do it. Right. And that is that's literally how I lead. I lead by an example. This is I will learn it, I will do it, and I will enforce it. And that's what we're trying to pass down to everybody else. So what you're telling me is you don't, you don't see the need to get a college education necessarily to be a business owner. I don't need, no, I don't have one. I always tell people I'm from Baghdad U. <laughs> you know? But uh, no, I, I want to see that diploma. <laughs> yeah, it's not, I don't think it's ever going to be a necessity that you go to college and that's how you're going to, to be successful in business. I'm, I'm proof that that's not the case. Um, but it doesn't mean I wasn't educated. It doesn't mean that I wasn't willing to be educated. And some of the people I've, I was educated by have many degrees, and they're right. extremely smart. But I really leaned on the guys who, who had the experience. You know, and I tell people when, they, when, when you think you need to go get an MBA, and I told my uncle this, I told him I want to go to college, I want to get an MBA, and he's like, well, and he was super successful. And, uh, and he had an MBA. And he said, well, that's going to, you will master middle management, my friend. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, it's an MBA. And I, was, I didn't believe him until I got into business and realized right. you're right. And then you hired some. Yeah, because you're, right. I, I would rather learn from the guy who owned the company and it went well than a guy who's, in theory, talking about how you should run your company. Right. You know, and when you say a master's in business administration, Wow, that's powerful. It is. And, and I think that, that a lot of business owners lean on, well, he's got an MBA, you know, and, and he doesn't have the experience to back it up. And I, and I think they, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but, but what I've learned in my time is that the MBA means less to me than, than the experience and the fight a guy has to go get, like, further that education, learn more. Right. I mean, and watch videos. If you look at LinkedIn and everything, there's so many videos to get smart really quickly at some things that you never would know. And I'm constantly doing that. Yeah, know? that's great. So that's the education you're talking about, constantly yeah. staying it's up to OJT. date. It's on the job. Right. I mean, you and don't do be it. afraid to ask questions if you don't know. I, I, I'm one of those guys that I'm very big about. I'll be the first one to raise my hand and go, hey, I screwed this up so nobody else will pick it up. I want to win. <laughs> right. I don't need to be right. I just want to win. And so if there's somebody better at something than me, let them do it. Let's take their idea. Let's incorporate that. If it makes us better as a team, that has to be the goal or we're not going to be successful. If you think you're going to know everything, I, I, it, that's insanity. It's right. not going to happen. So your, your major clients are really divisions of the Department of Defense. And so that has a lot of government regulation and organization to it, very structured. How are you able to take some of your ideas of training and be able to get them to change maybe 
because it could be very rigid, I would imagine, very structured. How, how are you able to influence well, uh, uh, them to re- help them recognize they have needs that they don't necessarily perceive or that their structure doesn't allow them to see? Well, real quick, we, we do all government. So we do Department of Homeland Security, um, stuff like that. Hey, there's some of ours are very structured and we're not allowed to change them. You know, they're schoolhouse. And I get it. And that's, that's our job. Right. Um, the other ones is they'll figure out their operational gaps when they come and they, they say, hey, put it on us. And we find out what their objectives are. We know where they're already weak or they think that they're weak and that they're, they're you know, I don't want, I don't mean weak, weak is in a bad thing, but no. we're not all 100% great at everything or we wouldn't be training. Right. And so once you start putting it on them, we're constantly taking notes. There's a whole backside of, of our reporting to them to point out, here's some things that we probably need to work on, you know, they, that you probably didn't think about because they weren't as big of a deal and then something bad happens. And, and you so get to see it in real time because you take too long on a drop zone or you decide to jump in the middle of the day. You know, like <laughs> there's, there's consequences for our actions. Right. And what we want to do is we want to get them all out during training. We want right. to find them all during training. You don't want to find out. In, in live action. Right. Combat. Generally not a good idea. <laughs> you know, like let's find out what our weaknesses are so right. we can, we need to manage our own expectations when we're going into combat. You know, and, and I've been in, you know, I've been on missions where we kanked them because we weren't, we were not schooled up on mobility like we used to be. Right. And, and we were going to do a long distance mobility package to a target. And we felt like, eh, like this could get really bad. And then you start doing that risk mitigation. And if you can't do it, you got to be able to say, hey, we probably don't have this ability right now. And so, then we go home and we work on that. So in it seems to me that you really have a value add that you offer because they may have requirements, got to jump so many times at so many targets, things like that, right. or shoot so many rounds at this or that and become proficient. But you're trying to add value to say, hey, we're going to make it as realistic as possible. And not only will we meet these, you can meet those in a in any school. But what does Metris have as their value add? I think our efficiency, <clears throat> one, um, when we come down to training, if you're going to even learn basic rifle marksmanship, I think it's our, our, our methodology during training, you know, that, that, hey, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time in the classroom. You know, I mean, we're going we're gonna to go over the basics in the classroom and then we're going to instill them, instill them, instill them. And we're going to get up on the range. And, and you're not going to shoot a thousand rounds in a week. You're going to shoot a thousand rounds in a day. Wow. You know, because it really comes down to that habit. You know, they always say it takes 3,000 repetitions to like make it in your brain. Right. You know, well, we'll get you to the point where your finger's probably going to hurt a little bit and it'll start <laughs> cramping. But that's how, that's how we did it. So what we can do in five days, it, it was harder in the military for us to get good at that because we were also a victim of what's well, always been done this way. And to us, our eyes are wide open. We, I mean, I'm surrounded by people who are like, there's a better way. You know, we should always be looking for a better way to make that happen. And so that's really where you spend your time. How can I make this better, more effective, more efficient, so that when you leave, you're not only trained, but you're trained well. Right. I mean, that's, that's and now we have people who do that. Um, to be honest, I spend most of my time on the strategic side now, like, and that's, that's new for me working on the strategic side of the company to move us into diversifying into different areas and, and our growth. That wasn't something I thought I was going to have to do when I joined. I thought I was going to be a trainer. I'd keep designing training. It's going to be oh, awesome. Okay. Just keep the same and yeah, just, just it's do gonna it. It's going to be awesome. You know, but I was an idealist. I didn't think, I didn't think we were going to get this big. 
you know? And so I'm glad that I adapted and I, and I moved along the way I did and I, and I was surrounded by mentors that I had. Speaking of growing, I mean, it takes not only successful and profitable business to grow, but it also takes sometimes financing because you're having to acquire locations or situations or, or, or ve- yeah, yeah. vehicles and all of that. So you can't always fund that out of pocket and you have to do it up front. How do you finance your growth? Well, we probably got to go backwards a little bit on that one. Okay. How did we start? Yeah, how uh, did you just start? Just so every military member would ever realize this. Because you have a large contract, does not mean you're getting financed by a bank. And all your friends will tell you, hey, you got a contract, you can get a loan anywhere. That is not the case. And we tried that. Right. I had a huge contract, and uh, no nobody bank. would help me. Yeah. You know? And really, what I did at that particular moment is the grind. I had to think very unconventional, and uh, and we never we never missed a payroll. It all worked out great. Our growth, our hard times, stuff like that. Um, I had to learn how banking worked, and that that is probably a degree in its own right. There you go. And because, if you can master that, you can master a lot of things. You can. I mean that that took a long time and a lot of education, understanding what a bank is looking for, and a lot of what I learned from people is it wasn't as much about my business plan as it was about me. My bank, and I love my bank, and not a lot of people say that. You know, <laughs> right. But, but my bank, like I have a relationship with them because they believed in me. I went in there, I was prepared. I spoke to every question they had. I anticipated every problem they would have and every risk, and I laid it out for them. I mean, it, it. I showed up with pro formas. I had to learn pro formas and get that together. Right. You know, and as I'm laying things out and know the content, but they were they need to they need to trust that I could pull this off. Right. Anybody can come up with a, a great plan and go. That, that's a no brainer. Right. But On man, a piece of paper. Seems, right. But, but he slept through the entire briefing and he's <laughs> he's fumbling papers around and trying to, you know. Right. No, I'm I'm very good at briefing because if, if you want to win, be prepared. Right. So we I've and, and the good thing is I had to do I factored invoices. I learned how that works and that's all right. I don't like it. You know? Right, and but the, it was a necessary evil when you couldn't find it. And, and that's where you have to understand. Credit. There are times you have to do some things that aren't great, but they have to be done. Right. Right. To take to, you to, to the next to level. To either sustain the business or to promote its growth. So you can you have a lot of different ideas in there. But anybody leaving the military or, or anybody who says, hey, I want to start my own business, you need to understand financing first because right. you're going to need it. At some point, you need somebody to, to lean on. Right. You know, and a bank, a bank is the cheapest money you'll ever get. Right. It's a silent partner. It is. But have until no you, doubt, they you, are a partner. They are a partner, you know? yeah. And, and they want to be, and you got to brief them and, and they want to be kept involved and they and, and they do take some ownership of that. They, they want to see that you're going to be good. Right, and I think that's important because so many people think, okay, I got the loan, I'm good. But I think letting them be aware of things as they develop, the successes and the struggles, yeah. because if they know ahead of time that there's some struggles with a certain contract or or with performance and there's reasons for it, they can help you work around it. Right. And they'll be more lenient than if you just I agree. let it happen and go back. Sorry, we just right. had trouble. And, and, and I have a good relationship with, with the bank. And I put, now that I've learned what I've learned, I'm, I've been very clear. One, I will always know the president of that branch. Like, I'm going to know the guy who's running that branch. You know what I mean? I, I have a private bank. It's a small. It's, it's very business-oriented. Um, and my banker, which I don't even call Larry my banker. I don't I don't know what. Yeah. 
whatever he does. Call him Larry. But I call him Larry <laughs> because he's the guy I call when I have good news or bad news. Right. You know, and we're kind of, that's that's our relationship. And, and it's very different than what I ever thought it would be. And when I was in the big bank, working with big banks, I kind of felt like they didn't care as much. Um, but these guys, to me, this was the only way to have a relationship. Right, privately held community banks that yeah, are and, interested and, in making a difference for right and lay it out to them, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I and I feel like they're always there, you know, to even give me advice. They're big about being able to give me advice, and I love advice because then it's less stress for me. Right, you know, I don't have to have all the answers. Right, what else have you found with banking that's really helped you? Um, I found that. You need to understand the cost of money. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you need to understand the cost of money. Um, you need to know what's available, right? Uh, from an SBA loan to a conventional loan, or or how are you financing your fleet? You know, we have a fleet of vehicles. Well, how do you finance that? Right. You know, is it because people need to know understand operate operating capital, and do you really want to use that compared to financing options, right. and then understanding for interest capital rates. for a capital budget versus your line of credit right. to finance and then how operation. to depreciate it? You know, I mean, there's like I said, these are not the words I would have ever said <laughs> in, in 2011 when when I started the company. Like right. these are things that I would have leaned on somebody and go, "What does that mean?" You know, and I, I wasn't embarrassed at all about it. I was just like, wow, this is a way more complicated. But I think yeah. over time and, and effort, I put a lot of effort. I mean, I did a lot with you to talk to those banks and understand right. what you were saying. And and I just, so I felt like it was a huge educational Learned lesson. Learned probably dolf, the biggest one Dolphin speak too at the oh, bank, yeah. right? <laughs> well, it's funny because they do, they do speak like finance guys. Right. And finance guys know exactly what they want to see, you know. Yeah, and I think that's great because it's it's interesting with banks. If you can speak their language, you can get there. But I think there's right. another key, and I think you embody this, Tom, and that's being real. You're authentic. And they come and they see a lot of different pitches, and people want their money. But if you're real and they understand what your background is, what your passion is, they're more likely, I think, to establish that relationship. And, and Well, I don't think you. anybody should get into business that they're not passionate about. Like I'm probably overly passionate about business. <laughs> um, and, and we do more than just, like, I own more things now than just this company. But I, I'm passionate about business. Right. I learned that I was passionate about training. And now, I've, I, like the, uh, the Tom 2.0, or maybe we're at 3.0 now. I'm almost 49. I think so. Probably yeah. almost 4.0. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> now I'm, I'm passionate about business. Right. Right? So, so I, like, I like the overall business side of it. And it, it, everything boils down to money. It really right. does. Understanding money, right. understanding returns on investment. You know, do you really need that truck? You know, I mean, can, can we do it cheaper? Um, but have you incorporated all the maintenance on a cheaper vehicle? You know, that's older. Like right. those. I mean, this is not an. Uh, you can't just be like, hey, we're gonna buy a new vehicle. You know, like, oh, right? Yeah, there's all kinds of choices. You're an idiot. Right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we, should, then, we should talk about this again. And then insuring them and all. Yeah, all of that. Well, that's great. You know, you've done admirably well in the nine years that you've been running Metris, and I'm sure it's had its ups and its downs. Um, one thing that I you can't escape the Sherpa's cave from being asked is what was your greatest failure? Oh, my greatest failure was my overconfidence in ed, in guys with with degrees. Um, it hurt. There were the, the mistakes some of those guys made, like. They hurt for a couple of years. 
Yeah. Okay. So the pain was deep. Oh, the pain was deep, and the poison. I mean, they poisoned the well. Like I said before, I, I could have spent ten years working on a culture that could be destroyed in, in three months. Wow. And I think that that my my biggest failure was I didn't have enough confidence in my education, and so I naturally, uh, I think I'm built that way where I look at it and go, "Hey, you're better at this than me," and and it made me have to think, "Well, you're not," because you're not listening to anybody else. You just think you know everything because that's what your teacher told you. Right. You know, and you're not you're not constantly getting educated that there's a different way. And so um it's my most embarrassing because it, it kind of hit home. I mean, that's right. that's me having low self-esteem or 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 confidence. And I think when any owner, when any entrepreneur decides they're gonna start something, you're gonna start off like a rocket and it's gonna be fun. You're going to doubt yourself. Right. Yeah, there's going to be knocks and unexpected you're things gonna, happen. You're, and you're going to beat yourself up. You're going to make some mistakes. I mean, I learned the entire business from making mistakes and, and never repeating those mistakes. That's That would have been a bigger failure for me is if I repeated them. Right. That's why we do that AAR. And that's right? what I was going to say. What did you learn from it? You learned from it to trust oh, yourself, yeah. trust your instincts. Had to. And, and, and you can't just hire it and expect people to do it the they the won't. right way. Well, they won't. They, not everybody's created equal in business. They're not. Some people don't have the same passion. You know, my passion at winning came from the military. Right. You know, and being on a team. And so what I love about our team is that we all feel the same way. So I don't have to have the best answers anymore. But I also found that I'm pretty confident in my experiences. So when I talk to the group and they go, wow, that totally makes sense. You know, whereas right. Terry always says like, the man hasn't been wrong for a while. Like maybe, maybe we ought to keep rolling with you him. Go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, keep going with it. That's great. Well, Tom, I appreciate you taking the time to be here and share from your experience to inspire others to have the the desire to jump in and to start a business. You don't have to know everything. You can learn along the way and you can continue to educate yourself. I think those are some great characteristics that you bring with you as well as have contingency plans. Don't just think that the one business plan you might have is going to work because you're going to get hit from all different angles, including competition. So I, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you bearing your soul on your strengths and your weaknesses. Yeah. I think it's an inspiration. Well, I this, appreciate your all's time. Great. Well, I, I hope that, uh, I think we'll have another episode where we'll have you back. I have this <laughs> feeling that your passion is contagious and a lot of people want to hear more from you. Anyway, this is Craig Willett. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Craig Will at the Biz Sherpa. Be sure to go to our website to access the resources related to this episode at www.bizsherpa.co. If you enjoyed this show, tell your friends about us and be sure to rate our podcast. Craig would like to hear from you, so share your thoughts in the Facebook community at bizsherpa.co. Follow us on Twitter at bizsherpa underscore co and on Instagram at bizsherpa.co.